Recently, there was an episode of Who Do You Think You Are on the BBC, where the comedian Josh Widdicombe found out he was descended from King Edward I, who died in 1307 AD. He wasn't alone. A previous episode had seen the rower, Sir Matthew Pinsent, being able to make the same claim. British soap opera actor Danny Dyer also famously found out he was descended from royalty from Edward III, who was Edward I's grandson. And actor Alexander Armstrong found he was descended from William the Conqueror, who was the ancestor of both Edward I and Edward III. This led the BBC News royal correspondent to write a piece about this. Just how common is this being related to royalty malarkey? Is it some sort of celebrity thing, or are we all related to royalty? Basically, the answer is yes. We are all related to royalty, it's simply a matter of degree. We will all have royalty somewhere in our family tree. The stumbling block to proving it is usually finding the documentary evidence. So how do we know that royalty will be in every family tree? Well, we can show this using maths. And we can do it working both forwards in time and backwards in time. So let's start by working forwards. So Adam Rutherford and Hannah Fry did a little calculation on this using Edward III as an example after the Danny Dyer program. Now, Edward III ruled in the 14th century, and he and his presumably very tired wife, Philippa, had 13 children. Six of them had children themselves, who included among them King Richard II and Henry IV. Adam counted a total of 321 great-great-grandchildren, so quite a few. Now, not all of these will have had the same number of children themselves, because some will have had several children, whereas others may have had none. So, to get an idea of the number of descendants, we need to come up with an average number of children per generation and work from that. And we can get an idea as to what this average number must have been by looking at how much the population has grown over the centuries. Let's be conservative and give a number of, say, two children per generation. We know from population growth it's likely to have been a bit higher than that, but we're being conservative here. There's also evidence that wealthier families had more children who survived to adulthood to go on to have children themselves. But on the other hand, people do marry distant cousins and so on. But we're going for a ballpark number here. We're also just talking about legitimate children, not any illegitimate children who may well have gone on to have children themselves, which would increase the number that bit further. We also need an average generation time. So at what age are people having children? Some people will have children earlier and some later, and obviously we can play around with that figure, but for ease, and because it's a figure that is often used, let's go for 25 years. So if you do that, then by about 1600 CE, just about 400 years ago, then Edward III would have 20,544 descendants. This in a population of Britain of about 4.2 million at the time. 
That means that around 1 in 210 people wandering around at that time was a direct descendant of Edward III. That's about half a percent of the population. A huge chunk of them would probably have had no idea. Because the crown passes usually to the eldest son of a king, other royal children would become part of the nobility. Their children, in turn, might well not inherit any family titles and be a part of the wider gentry and landowning families, with each generation heading in a direction of downward social mobility. After several generations, the descendants may not have owned any land and have been merchants or farmers, tradespeople, and may have little or no knowledge of their family's more regal origins. So now let's work back in time. So we know that we all have two parents, who themselves had two parents. They're your four grandparents. Your four grandparents all had two parents. These are your eight great-grandparents. Their parents are your 16 great-great-grandparents. You have 32 great-great-great-grandparents, and so on. It grows exponentially, doubling every generation. If you go back 15 generations to about 1600 CE, you have 32,768, 13 times great grandparents. Just let that sit for a minute. 32,768. And we're only talking a few hundred years ago. Now, we know it won't be quite that many because sometimes families intermarry, but you are still going to have literally thousands and thousands of people who are all equally your 13 times great-grandmoms and granddads all moseying around. So what's the chance that one of those many thousands of 13 times great-grandparents was a direct descendant of Edward III, one of those 1 in 210 people who was wandering around in 1600 CE. Well, as you can imagine, given the sheer number of them, it's pretty high. Putting it the other way around, the chances that none of your 13 times great-grandparents was one of those directly descended from Edward III is ridiculously small. Now, of course, this is an estimate. But in short, it's pretty darn likely that if you have broadly British ancestry, then you are descended from royalty. Probably through more than one route in your family tree, as family trees are interconnected. Your family tree, going back in time, goes outwards. But pretty soon, it starts to collapse in on itself as relatives marry distant, and sometimes not so distant, relatives. Family trees are notoriously untidy. So how do you prove your link to royalty? Okay, here is where it gets trickier because as you go further back, the records start to become patchier. It was often only the wealthier who were documented and who kept family trees. What you ideally want to do is find what's known as a gateway ancestor. This is someone who, once you find them in your family tree, have a documented family tree which then links back to royalty. Usually, it's someone who was wealthy or famous enough to be documented. And this is exactly what they did with Josh Whittacombe. 
Josh's great-granddad married a gal whose father was a vicar, Arthur Baring Gould, who turned out to be a descendant of the family that set up Baring's Bank, one of England's oldest merchant banks. But also, through this, then found out he was more distantly descended from someone who married into the family tree of Henry Rich. He was the first Earl of Holland and a mate of Charles I. From here, you can trace back through the generations to the Boleyns and the Howards, and from there to the Plantagenets and to Edward I. But the person who got them there was his great-great-grandfather, who was a vicar whose own great-granddad was part of a wealthy family. For Danny Dyer, it was his five-times great-grandfather, James Bullivant, who married a gal called Anne Gosnold, and she was the three times great-granddaughter of Robert Gosnold, born in 1611 and who was part of the landed gentry. His mother was part of the Tolomash family, who then link into the family of Thomas Cromwell, who served as chief minister to King Henry VIII. Danny's ancestor, Thomas Cromwell's son, married the sister of Jane Seymour, who was Henry VIII's third wife. The Seymours descended from the Plantagenets, who were descended from Edward III. So remember how I mentioned about how the younger children of royalty and grand families tended to start to marry out into the professional classes and clergy, or possibly might become farmers owning large farms? So what you want to do is extend your tree as far back and as far out as possible, looking at all the extended family members. Follow up on those marriages in your family tree and see who are the families that your ancestors are marrying into. Look for gentry or clergy in there or farmers. There's also a number of websites out there which can help you with this. So, for example, by looking at online collections for heralds' visitations from the 16th and 17th centuries, which were essentially records of the nobility and resulted in family trees being a part of them or Burke's Peerage, which also has massive genealogies of well-known historical families. Once you've hooked into one of those families, then finding the link back to royalty is usually much, much easier. Of course, the thing about programs like Who Do You Think You Are? concentrate on well-known ancestors. And I have to stop myself from shouting at the telly because when they say that someone famous is a celebrity's direct ancestor in a da-da-da kind of way, obviously, while this is interesting, the famous person they're talking about is just one of literally thousands and thousands and thousands of other people who were alive at the time who would equally be the celebrity's direct ancestor. Indeed, in a way, what does it really mean? to say that someone is a direct descendant of royalty, when everyone is related to royalty somehow, and we're all related to one another. My experience is that it means something different to each person. Personally, as a geneticist with a huge interest in history, I know I would find it fascinating to know how I'm related to royalty, but I'd be equally interested to know about the lives of my many other ancestors. To me, the most wonderful thing is not that I must be descended from royalty, but that we're all related to one another, and I have my place in the giant human family tree. Putting all that deep philosophical stuff to one side, let's recap. 
We're all related to royalty in one way or another. It's simply a matter of degree. It's the proving it which tends to be the difficult bit. But please do feel free to go and buy yourself a crown or other regal accessory if you like, safe in the knowledge you are related to monarchy somewhere in your family tree.